First edition or the re-entrance of Yancey's Tidbits, a little podcast here, Hayden King hosting. Of course, I have the man, the myth, the legend with me as well, Mr. Yancey Porter, which is what the show is named after. Yancey, what's going on, man? How are you? Just good to be with you. Hey, come on now. <laughs> Don't lie to me. <laughs> Don't I lie. know you'd rather be with me than there on your bachelor party there oh, on the Key God, West. Geez. I know you'd much rather be here in Oxford. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I I don't have an excuse to drink this early now or, or be wearing shorts. So uh, it's a little rough out there, but we're going to make it. We're doing a podcast. So, you know, if you can't be in Key West in warm weather drinking Mai Tais at 9 a.m., I guess I could be doing a podcast with you. It's about the same trade-off, right? I would I would think so. Uh, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. <laughs> we'll just we'll roll with it. All right, man. Uh, huge win for Ole Miss basketball. Uh, a lot of people thinking that was going to be a bloodbath down there in Baton Rouge because it's been that way as Ole Miss hasn't won there since 2013. Rebs were able to hold on and get the win over number 25 LSU earlier this week. 76-72 the final there. Deshaun Ruffin, of course, had a great game before he went out with 19 points. And now we're learning that that injury is a little more severe, as we thought kind of maybe he'll be back this weekend. Maybe we'll see him Wednesday against Alabama, get some work done on that knee. He's going to need a lot of work done on that, some season-ending surgery. Uh, Yancey, first things first, a good win for the Rebs, much needed too. Yeah, gutsy win. Yeah. You know, you look at what was stacked against them with Joyner, you know, being out a significant amount of time now. Right. Robert Allen obviously being out for a while and just kind of refiguring the rotation, getting everybody comfortable in their spots and everybody kind of gelling uh, without Joyner. And then Joyner was supposed to be returning this weekend. Mm-hmm. And then, bam, now Ruffin's out. As soon as we thought we were, we were getting the band back together. Right. He's out, out for the season with an ACL. He'll be fine. Uh, I know Ruffin will be back 100% next season, but that definitely leaves this season back in turmoil. Um, you know, I guess you got to flip the switch and what they've been doing the past month and a half with Ruffin in there at point guard and go back to who they were before Joyner got hurt and Ruffin was on the DL. So. Mm-hmm. It has just been a season of uh, bumps and bruises for Kermit and company, and you, you just feel bad for them. You do. And, I mean, it's one of those things you never want anybody to get hurt, and injuries are part of the game. It happens every year. But the fact that you have three of your top guys now out, hopefully Joyner can come back. You know, there was speculation he might come back this weekend against Florida. Probably not going to happen. Might see him Wednesday back at the pavilion against Alabama. Most likely uh, he'll definitely be back for Mizzou uh, a week from this weekend yeah. uh, with that game. Um, but, I mean, if you're Coach Davis, I mean, you'd almost got to just shake your head and say, what, I, what, I start clean living or something? Because, I mean, this is insane. I mean, what are they going to do at point guard now? Austin Crowley's all you can do. And then when he gets uh, minutes on the bench trying to get a breather, you put in Fagan. I mean, there's really yeah. no other options. Um just a bad situation you know uh, you would I think maybe two or three games that uh, Joyner and Ruffin and Matthew Morrell play together this season it's just uh, it's unfathomable to think the injuries that have occurred you know the good news is that look 99.9% of the people that have ACL injuries come back yeah just as good or better um you know, usually it's that second season when you become 100% comfortable and, and back from it. But 
Um, being a smaller guy like Ruffin, I think he'll be fine next year. And Joyner still has another eligibility, but you do lose Brooks next year. But you, right. uh, Malik Ewan, a guy that they signed their highest rated center in uh, many, many years, uh, steps in that that fold next season. Um, it'll be interesting to see how quickly he can develop um, with everybody coming back, with Robert Allen, with Joyner, with Morrell roughing the whole crew so it'll be a different makeup without Brooks but you know this year you just gotta hey you know like Kermit says nobody's gonna feel sorry for you right they're gonna come in and try to beat your brains in so Saturday with uh Florida it's gonna be interesting you know can they get productive minutes out of Austin Crowley are they gonna start pressing a lot Crowley really handles the ball well though I think from a turnover perspective, they're going to be okay um, Saturday. But what Ruffin did is he just got the ball. He made everybody else better. He right. got the ball in the spots that they needed. Obviously, him and Brooks were really building uh, a rapport back and forth, you know, with all the alley-oops, and he knew where Brooks needed the ball. And, you know, when Joyner comes back, he'll slide over to the run, to the one position, excuse me. But – you know, he's not a true point guard. He's more of a shooting guard. Right. So that's going to be tough. You know, it's going to be really what it was before Ruffin came into the fold, and they're just going to have to revert back and be the best they can be without Ruffin. No question. And, I mean, thank goodness for Nasir Brooks down low having a big guy down because if you think about it, looking at the roster now how it's been depleted with injuries so far, I mean, if you don't have the big guy down low, I mean – where do you go? Like I said, thank goodness he's he's playing and, and been a great asset to the Rebels. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm interested to see how the starting lineup looks this weekend against Florida because, I mean, you're going to have to be going to the, the back to the drawing board and trying to figure out what you're going to do. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Fagan is one of the five best players, in my opinion, without question. I mean, some nights he doesn't get the productivity from a point standpoint, and then some nights he's really hot, but he does all the other things well. You hate to leave him out of the starting lineup, but can you can you put him in the starting lineup and then slot him to the one when Austin has to go in for breather or foul trouble? Um, I don't know. So I, I would, my best guess is you're going to have Austin there at the one – you're going to have, um, uh, well, assuming Joyner's not here this weekend, I'm talking about you have Austin at the one, uh, probably go Matthew at the two, mm-hmm. and then go Luis Rodriguez at the three, yep. Brightfield at the four, and then Brooks at the five, and then Fagan come in and slide over and give them minutes, the guards, and especially when Austin's out. Um, you hate to leave Fagan out of your starting five, especially considering you've got uh, two of your your two most dynamic players on the bench now right. with uh, with Joiner and Ruffin. But um, what other choice do you have? You don't. That's it. I mean, uh, I guess we'll see once they get on the floor on Saturday as the Revs will be on flo- at Florida. Excuse me. Uh, hopefully, get on Florida too and uh, do the sweep against the Gators. Of course, the Rebs now 12-10 and 10 on the season, 3-6 and six in the Southeastern Conference. Again, they're going to be at Florida this weekend, then back at the Pavilion on Wednesday to take on Alabama, then back on the road to try and get some redemption against Mizzou. All right, we had uh, quote-unquote National Sign Day earlier this week, a lot of portal talk, things of that nature. What's your take so far in Ole Miss football offseason? 
Uh, home run. Yeah. Uh, that's what I think Lane did. You look at what he was facing. You know, he loses some tough pieces, uh, especially Snoop Connor. You know, yeah. I think everybody thought Ely was probably going to go pro. And Matt Corral was a cinch to go pro. Um, but losing Connor and Chance Campbell – and then, really, with Jake Springer and Mark uh, Marcus Robinson, they would have had a chance to come back if they wanted to. They could appeal to the NCAA. Those were really tough pieces to to uh, lose there. But then, sure. you know, you look at what they've done here. You know, they needed an edge rusher. You bring in Jared Ivey, a four-star Georgia Tech guy that's now about 6'6", 275 pounds. Uh, tight end It's just been, you know – it. Not not much of a tight end this past season. Yeah, that's really big in, in Kiffin's offense. You look at what he did at Florida Atlantic. He produced you know the tight end of the year there. You look at what he did at Alabama and Southern Cal and on and on. You know, so a tight end that can really be an integral part of your offense has been important. And they missed that last year. Yeah, uh, they really did. I mean, I think Michael Trigg has got that first day draft ability. I think he's going to be a big time tight end and really change the dynamics. Jackson Dart, we've all. You know, we know all about him. Mm-hmm. I'll give my son, uh, Taylor, um, my 15-year-old boy, credit on that one. He uh, he said he was the best player uh, in that class, uh, the quarterback. Uh, he he does his own draft analysis, and he wants to one day uh, do all this stuff uh, that we're doing and more. And, um, you Love know, that. he had Jackson. Yeah, he's got his charts, uh, YouTube, the whole thing. Wow. Uh, but Jackson Dart was his number one guy, and he said, man, old Miss needs him so bad. And, and, you know, what do you know, six months later, they're able to get Jackson Dart. Um, you know, then you go on down the look. Offensive line was obviously a big – uh, issue there against Baylor, um, especially, um, you know, when they had an injury or two there at the beginning of the Sugar Bowl. Uh, Mason Brooks uh, was wanted by everybody in the country out of Western Kentucky. You know, I'm not sure yet he's a left tackle where they kind of want to place him, um, but he's definitely going to be one of the starting five. Uh, Troy Brown can kind of give you that Chance Campbell type impact. Okay. Yeah, he's not the size that Chance was, but look, Chance wasn't 6'2", 240. Right. Like he was listed. He was probably more 5'11", 6 feet, 220. Um, with, but the, with the cleats on. With the cleats on. Sure. That's right. Troy Brown uh, listed at 6 feet. Uh, I believe he's like 200, 205. Um, you know, guy with a lot of speed. Kind of really more of a Marcus Robinson role is what I'm, I'm going to put him in because Marcus was not the biggest guy, mm-hmm. but man, he was so explosive. And, you know, he can kind of fill that role there. Sheem Young is going to come in for Springer, take that role there. Uh, he's already proven commodity. Zach Evans, you know, we talked about Ole Miss losing their top three rushers. Right. You know, but uh, Zach can only fill one of those three roles, right? Right, so right. So we're going to see what uh, Kentrell Bullock can do. We're going to see what Quinshawn Judkins can do. I wouldn't still be – just totally shot if they didn't add another running back in the portal. Uh, it wouldn't be a bad summer. move. It wouldn't be a bad move. I mean, because look, Bullets not proven, and certainly Quinshawn Jenkins is not proven. If Evans goes down, you know, you could get kind of sticky situation there. Right. Jordan Watkins, a guy that can uh, really help the wide receiver core. I'd love for them to continue to go in the receiver 
portal this summer after spring uh, practice when you got your next batch of portals come in. Ladares Tennyson, obviously one of the guys, uh, he's a dynamite safety there from Auburn. He'll come in and be able to help out at one of the six defensive back slots there. And then Jordan Rhodes, who, you know, got in some time this year, was a late transfer from South Carolina. So, uh, it was a unique year. Would I want to do this each and every year? I think people were saying, Yancey, this is the new age of, you know, transfers. No, you're still going to have your, your top programs sure. are going to get 22, 24 high school kids, three or four transfer portal guys. I still don't think you want to sign 15 high school kids and 13, 14 transfer portal guys i don't think that's the way you build your roster but i do think this year with old miss losing that many key players right that you really had to do it because fans are not patient right <laughs> if you go and no, sign they are not 28 29 high school players and it takes time for them to gel and develop and get bigger and stronger and uh you know earn those stripes you could end up going four and eight five and seven and you lose a lot of the luster yeah. that lane has right now so so I totally agree with the route he went this year and adding this many transfers. I imagine they're going to add add four more. So you're sitting at 11. They got four more spots. That's going to be 15 transfers, 15 high school kids, and a JUCO player. So it's half and half. But, look, the first two years under Kiffin, they were mostly all high school kids. There's still a big enough base of high school kids to be able to develop in your right. system. So, I, I, you know, I think this is a one-time deal. Now, maybe Lane decides to keep doing this every year because now they're not just grad transfers where they have one year left. They actually, you know, some of these guys got three, some four years left. Yeah. So, they're not a plug-and-play one-year guy and then you got to start all over the next season. Uh, I still don't buy that, that, you know, you need to go portal this heavy every year. But under the circumstances this year, I think they did exactly what they needed to do. I agree. I mean, I don't think – um, I don't think hitting the portal this hard is, like you said, going to be your year in year out deal. But I think it's definitely a nice benefit to have, especially like you said, you had so many uh, big positions with big key players that left that you almost have to bring in some experience. And also, you made the point these guys aren't just playing for one year; they still have at least a couple years eligibility left to play. So it's not really a plug and play. You know, see you during the season. Maybe you take a couple classes and get out of Dodge. You're going to be here for for a little while. So, what's your take though with how this portal thing's working out? I mean, do you do you think? I mean, people have told you this is the new age. This is how it's going to be. Do you buy that, or do you think this is probably the largest portal class you'll see from Ole Miss in the near future? Well, I think there's there's several factors. One. You got to remember the 2021 class, they signed without ever even taking visits to the schools. I think 68% of the D1 signees never visited the school that they right. signed with. So, because of due to COVID. Um, yeah, they could have So, they're going to be a natural high turnover in that class. And I mean, you're looking at Ole Miss, we already see, uh, you know, Trigg, Jackson Darts out of that class. Um, just kind of going down several the rest of the players are from the class before but um i think around the country you you will see a high turnover rate from that 21 class due to the COVID restrictions not being able to really see if that school is the best fit so i think that kind of skews the number two i think it's new 
Yeah. Um, and right now it's wide open. You can recruit them all the way up to August the first. It's the for Wild that West, class. Man. I think what they're going to do is they're going to put some restrictions and say, like Lane's been saying, you know, let's put a timeline on when. Uh, you Things know, are falling apart yeah. all over here. Hey, <laughs> the poltergeist. Um, you know, I think that they'll restrict it maybe for a four-month window, three-month window instead of a 12-month window where you can actually, you know, transfer to other schools. Um, just like I think there'll be some regulations on the NIL coming up. But while there's not restrictions, why would you not take advantage right. of it like Lane has? I mean, look, you could not have restructured the roster any better than Lane just did this offseason. Couldn't agree more. Looking forward to uh, seeing these cats here on campus and especially out at the VOT next season for Ole Miss football on quote-unquote National Signing Day, even though it's not the same as it as it used to be. No, it's not even. It's, I'm, I don't know what you call it now. It just, Maybe it a, is, if you want to go, hey, here you go. National Signing Day should be December, and then this should be – and one. Right, and one. Yeah, bonus <laughs> bonus time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Get your one or two players. That, yes. Yeah, I mean, this is basically – Get is, your grades right and then yeah. sign here in February. Yeah. Exactly. And let's move now to the season that is just uh, – what? What do we have? 16 days away. Ole Miss baseball getting ready to start. And of course, <sighs> the Rebs welcome Charleston Southern to Swayze Field uh, for the first weekend of baseball. It's right around the corner. We're in the same month. Like I said, 16 days away till we're all out there at Swayze, dialing it in, watching some uh, small ball out there. Hopefully some big ball, too, though. I mean, this is going to be – I don't know what to think yet. We've talked about it a little bit off air. I still don't know what to think about this ball club. I, I do. I mean well, – I would I hope do so. Offensively, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, we'll – I doubt you'll have this good of a lineup again in my lifetime i mean this is just this is absolutely ridiculous the starting lineup heck you've got other players uh like van cleave and calvin harris and kemp alderman uh leatherwood those guys don't even have secure positions yet yeah it was just a unique year getting every single starter back um from your everyday lineup and some of that's due to COVID, and some of us you know do to just the fact that they felt like they, they got cheated last year. You know, right. they wanted to come back together and, and finish what they started. Um, it's just it's the, the lineup, the everyday lineup is 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 good or, or better than – it's better than any lineup I've ever seen at Ole Miss and I'll probably ever – will see again uh, with the 11.7 scholarship restrictions. But with NIL, maybe now you don't have 11.7 scholarship restrictions. There you go. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe you will see lineups like this in the future because – Maybe, you know, teams, everybody but Vanderbilt will be able to have, uh, um, you know, NIL money to be able to offset some of the 11.7 scholarships. So that's another that's another issue for another day. But um, that's definitely the NIL could help baseball more than any sport. Yes. Um, but the the lineup. Um, yeah, look, you, you were making a lineup yeah, over there. Yeah, let me kind of. Yancey's tidbits. This uh, is my optimum lineup right let's, here. Let's hear it. Yep. I'm going to go Justin Bench leading off. Okay. Uh, the guy rarely strikes out. He's got good speed. I mean, Justin Bench might be the best just overall player on the Ole Miss team. Is there one again. thing that he just does, you know, superb, like Elko power or something? No, right. but he does everything very good. Just most most underrated player on the team without question. Sure. I'm going Gonzo second. Um, 
you know, he'll be playing shortstop. Uh, by the way, Justin Bench, I predict, will be moving from third base to center field. Kevin Graham will be the left fielder batting third. Um, another just really underranked player, um, you know, overlooked player by the Ole Miss fan base. Or not Ole Miss fan base, I'll take that back, really by the national media. Uh, Tim Elko, the captain, uh, bats clean up, playing first base at his old position. At the five hole, this is going to be interesting. I'm going to have. I know Kemp. you had some problems there. Yeah, we Kemp Alderman yeah. batting uh, when they face left-handers, and then Hayden Leatherwood when they're batting uh, facing right-handers there at the DH. I think they're going to split that kind of role. I think Leatherwood will play some right field too, but I think with Bench moving to center field from third base, that's going to move TJ McCants to right field, which then kind of takes that role from Leatherwood. I think you know I, I definitely think Leatherwood will be playing some right field without question. Okay. But at the beginning of the year, I think that Kemp and uh, Leatherwood will be DH, depending on what side of the plate they're they're facing. But I got them at the five hole, six. You know the best catcher in college baseball, Dunhurst, seven holes. Uh, the the only new guy in the lineup is uh, not new, but he is new. He came to Ole Miss out of high school, out of Germantown, then went over there to Florida for JUCO ball, absolutely ripped the cover out of the ball. Reagan Burford, um, third baseman, that if he ends up taking the third base spot, if he ends up taking the third base spot, that's going to push uh, Justin Bench to center field, which pushes – T.J. McCants from center field to right field. Uh, Burford then there at the seven hole. I think he has deservedly has earned that spot right now to play third base for the Rebels. That could be changed. You know, we'll see how his production is once he's in. But to start the season, I see him batting in the seven hole. Peyton Schattinger, uh, Chardonnay at the eight hole. Uh, playing second base, uh, I think he's the best defender on the Ole Miss team, maybe in the SEC. Uh, just an unbelievable de- uh, defensive second baseman. And then T.J. McCants in the nine hole, which really playing right field from center field. And, you know, that doesn't uh, really doesn't make a lot of sense because you say, don't you want your right fielder to have a, a huge arm? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it, you're going to get better defensively in the outfield if you got T.J. at right field. With um with Justin in center, you got to remember, you know, TJ was an infielder, and he was having to get used to playing the outfield, and he really started improving until the SEC tournament, right? And then he dropped one of those balls in the rain, and I mean, it was like he had saw goes from there on in postseason. He yeah. went, reverted back to really, uh, you know, not getting the angles on the balls off the bat, really struggling defensively, bled over to his offense. Um, struggled, you know, in postseason. But I think TJ is going to put it all together and have an all-SEC type campaign. Uh, and, you know, and that still leaves Calvin Harris and Ben Van Cleve to, to pinch hit, um, you know, and to substitute in um, when if substitutions need to be made. I think that's kind of where I see it right now for the starting lineup. The pitching rotation. Now, this is the difference. This is okay. where you just don't know. As you right. said, you don't know. I do know the everyday lineup. Uh, right. But the, the weekend rotation, I got this. I got Friday. Jack Washburn from uh, Oregon State that came over, pitched in the U.S. games that all the great players in Ole Miss history pitched in. Uh, John uh, Gaddis transfers over from Texas Corpsey. Left-hander, so you can go righty. Lefty, righty, and then Sunday 
be the old familiar name, Derek Diamond. A lot of people kind of predicted him to go the Friday hole, but mm-hmm. I think they – I mean, you you throw Derek Diamond out on Sunday and <laughs> you got a, a great matchup. Absolutely, right? yes. Got a great matchup. I think the closer is going to be Brandon Johnson. I think the long reliever, the guy that used to be like the Greenwood role, or Bianco loves to have a guy where if your starter's struggling and he comes out in the fourth, fifth inning, someone to piece it together to your to your uh, back of the bullpen, to either your closer or your setup guy. I think this year's guy for that is going to be JFD, Jack freaking Daughtery. Um, I think he's going to be the guy that goes two or three innings, maybe on a Friday night. Let's say Jack Washburn only goes five innings, maybe gives him two innings, uh, you know, on Friday and then comes back on Sunday and you get you get to use him twice. Yeah. And he goes maybe an inning on Sunday. I definitely couldn't be going two or three innings twice a weekend. But I def, uh, definitely think that um, – He's the guy that's going to be the glue to the bullpen is JFD. And then I got the setup guy that he's going to get to is Matt Trophy. And obviously, Trophy sat out last year um, after the opening weekend of this year when mm-hmm. he was beaming it in there, 97-98. I hear his velocity is not all the way back yet, uh, but it is coming back if something uh if he's not quite ready i think west burton will step in that role as a setup guy and then your left-handed specialist out of the bullpen is going to be jackson kimbrell and then the midweek i'm gonna have drew mcdaniel and hunter elliott as the tuesday wednesday starters i mean what a luxury if you got drew mcdaniel as someone midweek guy in the midweek guy sure. I mean that's kind of sick but uh, Hunter Elliott is from Tupelo left handed pitcher um, this guy's going to be big time I've been watching this kid for a long long time in the travel league ranks and he's got his dad you know his dad is one of the best teachers of uh, pitcher teachers around in North Mississippi he's kind of had him on a program he's kind of a protege so to speak mm-hmm. Hunter Elliott will be your next big time pitcher at Ole Miss he is going to be big time and then other guys that be will be key relievers I think uh, will be Dylan Delushi, a guy that they picked up in the Juco ranks and then Riley Maddox a guy um out of Jackson Prep, Mississippi, okay. that has been thrown at 96, 97 pretty regularly. Uh, big old boy, 6'5", 6'4", you know, 230, 235. The guy can really, uh, really sling it. He's been very impressive in preseason fall camp, and, and he's opened up again. Uh, they're back at it now for the spring, getting ready for the season, and, and still hearing great things about him. So I think that's kind of a rundown. There'll be other guys uh, – that will emerge, obviously, yeah. from this. Um, I think the team, you know, it's really going to come down. We know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get from the from the offensive and the everyday starters. I mean, you're they're proven commodities. It's really what comes down to Jack Washburn and John Gaddis. You know, how quickly do they make that transition? Both of them are proven commodities on the D1 level. Obviously, Jack pitched at a high level, you know, from his days there at Oregon State. And John Gaddis was not pitching at an SEC level. How does he make that transition is the question. Right. And then does Derek Diamond's arm hold up? Yeah. Right? He's had the sh- sore sore arm, shoulder, elbow, whatever, for the last couple of years. He's taking some rest. He's really, really pitching well right now after taking some rest. But as we saw last year, that can really change a season. But, you know, the big two Ole Miss pitchers last year, you know, Doug and um, 
and Gunner. Um, I don't think Ole Miss has to lean on two guys like they did last year, whereas you lose a pitcher like they did last year. Yeah. That just totally destroyed the dynamics and the makeup of the team. You know, you can't put a dollar amount or how big of an emphasis uh, losing Gunner was because that, you know, in a, in a, Super regional like that, you got two guys, two right. horses, right? Right. You don't, you know, they're probably in the World Series, and no telling how far they go in the World Series. So I think, I don't think they've got the star power up top of mm-hmm. the pitching staff, but I think they got more depth and more arms. And I think Brandon Johnson is going to be a special closer. He's got that bulldog mentality, and I'm looking for a huge year this year. I really am. I love it. You know what I'm looking for is uh, some of those stickers that were made of you <laughs> that were posted up all around Swayze Field in the hotty toddy potties. Where do I get one of them bad boys? I need one. Uh, man, yeah, that was after I think Ole Miss was up on Vandy, what, about 12 to 1, 10 to 1. <laughs> <laughs> they had loaded the bases up in the eighth inning, which, by the way, in the championship game, Vandy came back and won that game when they just simply ran out of arms. They wanted to save their arms there for the – for the regionals that right. came up. But, yeah, that that was pretty funny. My boy D. Hobbs made those up. I think we're going to have to see if D. Hobbs has any more of those. That might need to be a shirt. I might, I might, that might need to be the uh, Nancy uh, Tidbits T-shirt with the logo on it. I, I think I got some payback for him. Maybe I'll uh, make some stickers of D. I know there's some good ones I can make oh, up. Oh, boy. Sticker. It's a sticker war now. I'm excited. Just some, you know, side note deals for uh, your adventures out at Swayze Field this year. I'm looking forward to it. 16 days away from Ole Miss mm. baseball. Of course, Charleston Southern going to be the first one on tap for the Rebels at its Swayze this season. First one, Yancey's Tidbits back in the saddle, baby. We're ready. We're ready. Don't forget, you can catch Rebel Yell Hotline at numerous stations around the state of Mississippi, also in Memphis and Jackson, Tennessee. I know one place you can go, supertalk.fm, North MS. You'll find it there Monday nights at 6 o'clock, and you will find this podcast on numerous platforms that you find your podcasts at. I'm Hayden King. This is Yancey Porter. Yancey's Tidbits. Back in the saddle, baby.